going to invite uh, Rachel Young up now uh, from Christians in Sport to share a little bit about the sports camps that she was on in both Belfast and Armagh. So, come ahead, Rachel. Thank you. Good evening. Um, it's brilliant to have the chance to uh, spend a few minutes just feeding back about uh, the summer. Um, it's hard, just chatting before uh, with a few people, um, I was saying it's hard to believe we're in September. The summer has flown by. Um, but just to say uh, from the team uh, here in Northern Ireland at Christendon Sport, uh, the team of volunteers that have been working this summer, there has been so much to give thanks to the Lord for this summer. It's been a real, real privilege um, to be able to be involved working with young sports players um, so I've just three things to tell you about that happened and a few pictures to show you as we go. Um, the first thing that happened this summer with us at Christians of Sport was a one-day sports camp um, down in Kilkeel. So a couple of us went from here uh, down to Kilkeel um, and joined with a team of volunteers, mostly from um, Mourn Presbyterian, um, some from Annalong um, and uh, others from around the Mourn area, to put on a one-day version of our sports coaching camp. Um, it was brilliant. We had 47 young sports players came for the day. We had a super day. They got four hours of coaching. Uh, they got the chance to play lots of different games. And the theme for the day was one giant leap. And we got the chance to really help the young people grapple with um, the giant leap God has made for us in sending Jesus. Um, the leaders on the ground there said it was interesting to see some church young people there but also some young people from the area they didn't know and they didn't know their families. Um, and the joy for us really was to see that day doing a small part um, uh, uh, of the bigger witness of Kilkeel and the churches there. Um, and all we wanted to do was serve the leaders on the ground there um, as they tried to proclaim the gospel to young sports players. So that was brilliant and it was a really super start to the summer um, and then the next couple of things that happened were our week-long versions of these camps. Um, we call these camps Sports Plus. So they're sports camps where the young people receive coaching, but they're more than that. They're where they come and they see that we value sport and we want them to get better and improve and embrace the God-given gifts they have. But we want them to consider Christ more than that. And so we had two of these week-long camps. The first was in Armagh, um, and that was the 12th week in July. Um, and we had 74 young people with us that week, and, um, and we had a team of 50 leaders um, as well. That was coaches and leaders and, and people working behind the scenes. And that was just a brilliant week. Um, my job was to do a lot of the behind-the-scenes things, but it, it also gave me the opportunity to, to chat to some of the young people throughout the week. And it was super just to hear God at work, um, feeding back from the leaders, but also just the young people. Um, young Christians excited about what they were learning and loads of young guys that aren't yet Christians that were enjoying the chance to engage and talk about who Jesus is, which is just such a brilliant privilege. So that was our ma in July. And then the final week was uh, Belfast and that was in August, just down the road at Campbell College. And we had 50 young people there and we had a team of 36 leaders. And um, Again, a super week, a better week weather-wise. Armagh, there was photographs taken of cricket and ultimate frisbee happening as young people were sliding along the muck. Um, the week with Campbell was the other end of the spectrum. It was brilliant. Um, but again, the biggest highlight for us as leaders was to hear stories fading back and the Lord seemed to be at work 
in the young people's hearts, and that gave us the biggest thrill. Um, just to give you an idea of these week-long camps, um, we have sport all through the day, but we start the day with a meeting and a theme, and then we end the day with a meeting and a theme. And the morning meetings um, are slightly more slanted to the young sports player who is following Jesus. And so we spent the morning meetings in Hebrews, chapter 12, 1, 2, and 3, looking at following Jesus, being in the race of life, and looking at ways to encourage the young people about how they can continue to follow Jesus. And then in the evening meetings, um, they were slightly more slanted for the young people that maybe haven't yet started running the race of life. And we were in John's Gospel, and we took a walk through John's Gospel looking at the outrageous claims um, made about Jesus and by Jesus himself. And so the theme of the week in the evenings was outrageous. And just to give you a snapshot as I finish, um, uh, it was a joy to hear stories back. Um, and I also, at the end of camp, we get a little feedback form from the young people. And um, just to give you an idea of, of the sort of stories and little things we were hearing back that maybe you could commit to prayer as well. Because the Lord seemed to be at work, and uh, it was a privilege to be able to share the gospel with young sports players. Um, here's a couple of things. The first is from a young fella that I know he said throughout the week that he was an atheist. Um, but he wrote this in his feedback form, and this, when I read it, was just a thrill. Because he is someone that's very clearly saying at the moment, I'm not, I'm not following Jesus. But he enjoyed the chance to grapple with who Jesus is. And so that's what he said about the, the, it was interesting and thought-provoking, and um, that's just a privilege to be able to introduce him to who Jesus is and let him think that through. And finally, this is a little quote from a tennis player who is a Christian, and she just said this at the end. Um, uh, she enjoyed the team meetings. I love how she puts in one sentence that she enjo um, enjoyed getting to know Jesus even more and her group better. And you could almost lose sight of the beauty of the first part of that when she just said, I just enjoyed getting to know Jesus better. And that, um, in those two areas, if, if non-Christian sports players are leaving, um, knowing a bit more about what the gospel is and maybe who Jesus is and, and feeling comfortable to grapple with that, then brilliant. And if young Christians are leaving, loving Jesus more and, and excited to go back into clubs and teams, then again, just brilliant. So hopefully that will just give you a little snapshot of the sort of things that we had the privilege of being part of this summer. And can I just finish by saying a big, big thank you to you? Um, I think Catherine's here this evening. Catherine was hardcore Catherine Rainey. She did all the camps possible this summer for Christians in Sport. Did a brilliant job behind the scenes um, serving. She was heading up all the administrative side of camps. Um, so thank you for your prayers for her. And thank you for your prayers for the whole camp and for me too. I got some texts during the week from some people here in the church family. And it was a real encouragement to know you were standing with us in this little part of our ministry. So many thanks. I'm going to invite uh, Gareth Irwin to come up and give a wee bit of feedback on uh, SISM. Well, thank you, Gareth. Uh, Gareth's a bit of a veteran of SISM, as many of you, as many of you know. And uh, he was co-leading uh, the camp up in uh, Port Stewart this summer. So maybe, Gareth, you'd maybe tell us a wee bit about SISM and what you got up to, please. Thank you. 
Okay, so a lot of you will know that SISMs or Camps and Missions in the summer are a ministry of Scripture Union in Northern Ireland. And throughout the summer, there are 37 Camps and Missions all over Northern Ireland, some in Scotland and then in Donegal. And with that, there's a 1,000 volunteers reaching 6,000 children. So this is a major scale sort of enterprise. Um, But as part of that, um, what Scripture Union hopes to do is bring the good news of Jesus Christ to children, young people and families. And um, the key to that is doing that in a relational way. So what we want to do is we want to get on with these kids for a week or two weeks and really mix with them in their lives, but point them to a relational God who wants them to have a relationship with him. And we want to point that through Bible study prayer and just letting Jesus walk off the pages of his word um, into their lives. And it was, it was great watching Christians in sport. Clearly, flags have been, um, you know, in, in short supply um, because they've all been bought up by missions and camps and so on to use them. Our theme was the Olympics. And um, we were just looking at episodes in sort of the gospel in the Bible where God um, does these amazing things. So we started off with creation as the greatest opening ceremony ever. And um, then we looked at Moses being given the rules for life and um, how... Um, you know, the game is played better when we follow the rules. And then we saw how cheaters never win with David. And we saw Paul um, running the race and training hard and all those kind of things until we got to the best closing ceremony because it goes on forever and ever and the gold medal won't rust and um, we get the crown that will last forever. So that's sort of what we were doing for some of it. Great. So I believe that you had four to 17-year-olds who were catering for that yes. sort of age group. Part of that sort of pan out at your meant for a very busy day. Sure. So during the day, basically from four to 17-year-olds, we have six age groups, um, starting off with the shrimps and up to the whales. And between that sort of, I know, it's, it's, the girls, trust me, the 17-year-old girls don't mind being called whales. It's all okay. <laughs> um, but um, so when they're graduating up, and basically it's, it's now become quite a big system. So we have 350 kids on most days and then throughout the two weeks we have about 700 contacts so individual kids that will have signed a form if you know what I mean. Just going to ask you a quick question Uh, you had quite a few people from the congregation here who were with you as leaders if you were trying to encourage some more folks to go up how would you sell it to them? Sure. Um, I, I've had to write down everybody who was involved for, um, from Kirkpatrick. So there was Claire McCoon, Joanne McNeely, Lois Chapman, Gillian Palmer, Ruth Sanderson, Peter and Joanne Meek, Brian and Cheryl Carson, and then Louise and myself. Um, so why, how could I sell it to you? I think the first thing is you look at that list and go at the diversity of the people who are on it. So um, there was a, a member of the congregation who, when they were asked would they be part of the team, said, why would I be part of a SISM team? You have to be 17, wearing a Hollister hoodie and skinny jeans. <laughs> and um, I said, Grant. Um, she then joined the team, didn't wear skinny jeans or a Hollister hoodie. But um, what I would say is it, the big thing is the diversity. So on our team, the people who help, we have 17-year-olds, but we have um, 70-year-olds who help us out. Um, two of our best team members um, are Anna May and Alistair Kennedy. 
um, who are in their 60s. She comes along and cooks for us, and he comes along and does a lot of our devotions and stuff like that. And they're our house parents, basically, for the two weeks, and are just there to give wisdom and the benefit of their experience, and are absolutely brilliant and a really steadying influence. Stanley Mills is saying yes. Um, <laughs> Alistair Kennedy was was brought up in Kirkpatrick, so that's why it has to be quality, um, <laughs> clearly. Um, so there's, there's the diversity of the people that are involved. And the other thing is flexibility. So, you know, if, if you want to be involved in any way, we will find a niche or a role um, that you could fulfill. So there are people who maybe only help out in a morning session. There are people, there's a group of people who come along just on the last night to barbecue for us whenever we have to cater for sort of 500, 600 people. Um, but they just take that off our hands and say, we'll do that and really bless us. Um, by us not having to worry about that. So if you have the slightest inkling that um, next year, the first couple of weeks in July, you want to be involved in any way, um, have a chat with me. and We'll uh, push you in the right direction and uh, get you signed up. I don't know if I have my information. It's maybe incorrect here, but you can correct me if I'm wrong. But I believe that, well, you said earlier you're a veteran, really, of SISM. You've been doing it for quite a number of years. But I believe this is your last as the main leader at Port Stewart. Sure. I know, because on the question that you'd written, it was my last year of doing SISM. It's my last year of doing SISM in Port Stewart. Um, we, um, there's three of us who were there sort of from the start, um, and we've been there nine years now. Um, and basically, we've got to the stage where we have an absolutely fantastic team who we more get in the way of. Um, so we decided it was time for us old-timers to, to walk off the stage and allow them to get on with it. Um, I think that's, it's, it's great fun, you know, asking why would you want to do, why would you want to be involved in SISM is the question. First of all, there's things like it's the teamwork, it's being involved in the team and being involved in cr- Christian community for two weeks. It's the idea of ser- what I really enjoyed this year was, was serving with church friends. There was, there was people like Lois Chapman and um, Ruth Sanderson, seeing them in an entirely new light and um, seeing them just really being used by God in amazing ways to engage with, with children and young people. Um, it's the idea of the challenge of yourself, um, asking God to work and then expecting him to work that afternoon because you need it to be dry for the games to work or you need you know, the kids to get this, this visual aid or understand what's going on. And also it's the joy of these God appointments. It's seeing that spark go off in a kid's life whenever they get it for the first time and they say, you know, this is amazing. The, the creator God, the God who made all this, wants to have a relationship with me. And whenever you see that penny drop, it's just, it's absolute gold. Christoph, in talking um, about last year, whenever I came back and was um, waffling on about SISM, he said, you know, it's, it's great, but we're doing what we're made to do. As Presbyterians, you'll know um, the um, catechism. The first question is, what's man's chief end? man's chief end is to glorify God. And I think it's this idea that whenever you're actually doing that, then it just feels right. And um, that's why you would want to be involved in SISM, because for two weeks, you get the opportunity to do what you're made to do, and it feels right. I've been involved in SISM for nine years. Um, what I would love to do is thank you guys for praying um, for, for the last four or five years when I've been around here, and asking you to pray for that. We've been very fortunate in Port Stewart. We've seen Whenever I was first involved, there were 60 or 70 kids in the first year. We're now up to sort of 350. Our team in the first year was 12. We're now up to a team of 60. Um, And I look at that, and the two things that are responsible for that are we've had a great team, 
My gifting is to take an obscure Bible passage and make it more obscure. What we have is a great team who can turn that into something that actually engages children and young people. And the second thing is a great God. I think Christian ministry is all about, it's a bit like being a Christian surfer. And um, all it is is trying to catch a wave when God is doing something. And in Port Stewart, certainly in the last nine years, we've been very privileged to be able to ride a great wave. And um, we think it's our time to get off and then see where the wave takes the other guys that are um, taking over in the years that lie ahead. And we're excited to see what God's going to do with that. Um, so thank you very much for praying, and I'd ask you to continue to pray for Port Stewart Sism, and I'm not joking. If you think you want to spare a few hours of your time or um, get involved in some way, it won't be me that'll be hassling you, but I will pass you on to the guys who would really appreciate your support as we try and um, bring this good news of Jesus Christ to children and young people on the North Coast. Just one final question before you go. You've talked with great enthusiasm there about Sism, but you talked there about God appointments. Have you, what's really encouraged you, especially this summer? Sure. Um, I wasn't on the list, Mark. You're, no, I wasn't, no. <laughs> You're out living here. Um, so I was, uh, oh, they're, they're just fantastic, fantastic moments. Um, particularly in Port Stewart, it's, it's just that moment whenever kids get the story for the first time. And, um, you know, it's absolute gold when the penny drops. Um, and it's, it's the opportunity to work with families who aren't engaging with the Bible at all. So not in Port Stewart, but in two other schisms, I was hearing these fantastic stories where there was a young family who had ended up attending a schism, and they were going home each day, and their dad was having to look up the passages on the internet um, because they didn't have a Bible in their house. So he was searching the internet to find out what was going to be happening next in the series of the stories, and at the end of the week, they get, the, get a Bible. And um, it's just, it's, oh, it's absolute gold, isn't it? And then um, another story was um, a woman who... On the end, basically there was a family coming along and the, the mother in the family was coming along and they, were, they couldn't afford a Bible. And the cheapest Bible in the, the Sism bookstall is two pounds and they couldn't afford this. And then this woman being in tears as the team presenter with a Bible and say, you know, take this home. And she's just like, I can't believe somebody would give me this. So it's moments like that that are happening throughout Northern Ireland and beyond. And um, I, it's just, we're very thankful that God blesses this stuff and, um, you know, acts in lives and works. And, and I think that's the challenge, isn't it? Part of the... I'm waffling on, sorry. Part of the, um, part of the danger is that in our life, we, we, in our day-to-day life, we don't challenge God enough, so we don't see him act. And part of the beauty of being involved in schism and things like that is what we ask, we pray in the morning that God will open blind eyes and help people to see. And we actually expect that to happen by the end of the day. And um, the amazing thing is that he does do it. And um, it's just such a boost for my faith to see that happening day in, day out um, throughout schism and lives being transformed. Okay, thank you, Gareth. (laughs) I'd like to call Dan Chapman to come up and speak about his uh, his time with uh, Urban Saints down in County Meath. Well, Dan, you were leading a camp uh, for Urban Saints. Would you like us? Would you like to tell us where you went to? Where we went to? I'm sorry. First, tell us a wee bit about Urban Saints because we might not all be familiar with what it is. Okay. Please. 
Um, <coughs> hopefully, well, most of you probably know Urban Saints better as Crusaders. Right, okay. Um, but recently, it was uh, over in England, they decided to change the name because the connotation with the Crusades and the anti-Muslim element of it. So okay. they, they picked Urban Saints, which is quite a claim, really, you know, but... Um, that's that's the name of it anyway. And basically, uh, Urban Saints is a Christian youth organisation, um, really aimed primarily at ten to eighteen year olds, uh, churched kids, right, okay. with a with a view to kind of discipleship, like uh, taking what you know uh, what they know and, and making it real. You know, bringing them into a, like a living relationship with Jesus rather than just going to church and stuff. Right, sure. That, that, uh, that's Urban Saints in a nutshell. And the, the camp I was doing in the summer was called Kalos Senior Camp, and it was from 14 to 18-year-olds. Um, and there's also the junior one, which Graham Dewhurst does, called Cranfield. Right, yes. That's mm-hmm. for 10 to 14-year-olds. Great. So. so what was your program there? Could you maybe give us a, sort of what you do on a, a, a daily basis, an average day? What was the sort of between sort of... Uh, you know, your Bible activities, your teaching, and then maybe your leisure activities? Yeah, well, like, uh, t- two, the two ma- massive parts uh, of each day were uh, the morning session and the evening session. And the morning session was uh, done by the leaders where they picked a verse that had really challenged them in their life and talked about how it had affected their life. And that was preceded by a half an hour quiet time where the kids were, were asked to go away and look at that verse and think uh, for that themselves. And the evening talks, uh, the, the, the tagline we decided to use this year was um, Our Father in Heaven, Do You Know Him? Um, and the six talks started off um, with really the characteristics of God. So it was God as holy, God as just. God as loving, God as enabling, uh, God as ultimately wise, and the final one was God as jealous, jealous God. And that, those were the evening talks, and after them there was uh, discussion groups where you went away. But in between those times, you know, I'm sure, very you know similar, I'm sure, to type system type uh-huh. stuff, just ridiculous activities, <laughs> and, you know, trips to the zoo and okay, stuff like that. Right. Really, really good fun, you know. But certainly the teaching took priority. Yeah, and massively, but like, right. the kids enjoyed it. Right, sure. Well, so I hope so. So what really encouraged you about the week? Um, I think uh, a, few th- a few things written down. Yes, first of all, like uh, getting a team together, uh, find like a lot of people who usually do the camp couldn't do it. Right, okay. Uh, if you like... You know, older people are, are big names, if you like. Um, so we kind of, from the start, we're like, we're feeling quite uh, weak from the start, almost. And and uh, you know, you know, it's it was, I, I personally was letting a bit of doubt creep in. You know, team was quite young, and we're, we were quite young heading it up. And I was like, flip, you know. But then, just when you do your bit, and then as you know, c- committed in prayer, and then you see God work and use a team. Um, like we didn't have a speaker for any of the talks, but uh, like just the, the way God used those talks uh, from our, our, our weak interpretation of God's holiness and what we got together, He just absolutely used that, and and we'd 
we sent two of the leaders out each talk uh, to pray. Great. Um, you know, not saying that's a magic remedy, that's why it was so good, but it's just that uh, God really blessed it and it was just incredible, like, yeah, really challenging or encouraging, sorry. That's brilliant. So, you know. So the young people that you had with you, were they from the, or sorry, the urban saints within East Belfast or were they from all over Ireland or throughout Ulster? Yeah, well, not, not over Ireland. We had uh, mainly guys from Northern Ireland. So right. We had a few from Braniel Crusaders, uh, quite a few from Knock, which meets here. Great. Um, then we had from, from Hollywood, Gilnahirk and Dungannon. Dungannon is a wee bit out there, but... And then a few friends of friends who bulked So you're sort of sharing with us there that it was your first year leading it. And maybe you've answered the question already, but how did you find the experience? You think you've come back, really you've said that the Lord encouraged you, that he strengthened you, and that he's really used you. So how have you come back, you know, from the experience? Uh, like, yeah, well... Primarily encouraged, like you know, the whole team was used, and I was leading it along, co-leading it with a guy, a friend called Ruben Johnson, and um, uh, so it wasn't like a one-man show. It was like very much uh, both d- doing that and the team. The, the more I got my head around it, it's really main leaders, just a different role, not not any really more important than the other ones, and. Uh, at the start, I was a wee bit demoralised because uh, you don't have as much time with the kids. You, you know, you sit down, have a chat, and then your mind's racing. What's next? Yeah, you know, I need to do that and this. And, but one, once I got over that, I really just enjoyed it, and uh, it's almost nice to be able to just see your the team just like really pulling their weight, and and then you're just facilitating a different role and stuff. So I Great. got the bug and. Uh, Brilliant. So we had a, there's a few other leaders from the church, were there? Yes, uh, Naomi Brownley, right? Okay, um, and Nadia Dewhurst uh-huh. were were two in the female leaders, and then Johnny Young, great, uh, and, and myself. So it's just a, the four of us. Then Lois was there as a, a camper. Lois was there as a camper. Great, I, right? Okay, lots of enthusiasm, which is good. So the <laughs> final question, but maybe the big one: Are you going to go back next year and do it again? Yes. Yeah. Well, when uh, when Johnny Young asked myself and Ruben to do it, uh-huh. it was with an understanding of the foreseeable future, like minimum five year type. Uh-huh. You know, so I'd I'd, I'd be honoured. Uh, you know, I'd love love to and will do it again next year. So yeah, but I'd like to say thank you. Uh, I realise. As I said, how much of it was just our little effort offering it up and then the prayer of the church and the prayer of friends. And I know a lot, a lot of you were praying for it. And thank you so much because, you know, it's all about that. And without that, it would have been very different, you know. So, Well, thank you, Dan. Thanks for sharing. It sounded like a really had a blessed week. And look, maybe if people want to chat to any of the guys after the service tonight, you can maybe find out a bit more about how things went. Thank okay. you, Dan. Just going to invite Christoph up now. Um, you've probably been wondering why we haven't prayed up to date, but if you remember back a few weeks, uh, first week in uh, Bloomfield School, uh, we, we, Christoph commissioned everybody from the church to go out who was engaged in mission. So I'm going to invite Christoph to come up and give a prayer of thanksgiving for really the great things that we've heard this evening. Okay. Shall we pray?
Father God, we thank you for these wonderful stories uh, that we have heard from Rachel and from Gareth and from Dan. Lord, we thank you for the the other stories uh, from the many people who left us over the summer, uh, the stories that we didn't get a chance to hear, but we know uh, that you've worked in, in many places Uh, through members of our church family. Lord, we thank you for all of that. We thank you that that a lot of our our members this summer got a chance to do the thing that they were made for, to show Jesus, to talk about him, and to share his love with the world. Lord, we pray now that this work that we have done as a church family, whether it's going or whether it's staying and praying. Lord, we pray that you would use it by your spirit. Uh, We believe that seed has been sown, Lord, throughout Ireland and further afield. Lord, we pray that that seed wouldn't have fallen on hard ground. Lord, that the ground wouldn't just have been shallow, a quick response soon forgotten. Lord, we pray against the, the, the growth being thwarted by, by weeds, uh, being crushed by the cares of this life and this world. Lord, we pray that in the lives of children and young people, the seed that's been sown would grow 30 times, 60 times, 100 times. Lord, we pray that you would grow the kingdom of God through the the lives and the witness of the members of Kirkpatrick Memorial this summer. Lord, we thank you that you are doing just that. We leave all this work in your hands and watch for you to work. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now that time's pushing on, but I'm just going to share a short reflection with you. Hopefully it'll only be about five minutes, so... It's unlikely that uh, we'll run over time. Uh, I <laughs> thought we were going to be under time like uh, two weeks ago. So I don't know about you, but I've been really encouraged tonight. And it's just heartwarming to get just a snippet of all the mission that has taken place this summer involving people from this congregation. How the Lord has really blessed the work and used each and every one of them. There is and so much to give thanks for. Each of us gathered here who know Jesus as our Lord and Savior are his disciples, and we we know that. And as as Jesus' disciples, we appreciate the cost of discipleship. After all, the ultimate cost was, uh, was to God who sacrificed Jesus so that we may go free. So we have submitted our lives in every part. We have taken up our crosses, and we now follow Jesus. So we put him first before everyone else and everything else as we are told in Luke 14. We've just read from uh, Matthew 28, the last verses in the Great Commission, and we know these verses all so well. Jesus has defeated sin and death, and he wants his disciples, not just the initial 11, but also us, to go out and make more disciples through sharing the good news with all. And as Jesus' disciples, we are each, without exception, we're all to go out with this charge. 
So back in the first Sunday in July, when Christoph commissioned all the guys from the church to go out and do mission, um, I was really encouraged because there were so many people stood up. So we had those that were starting here in our very own Jerusalem, Bally Hackamore, getting involved with uh, the Holiday Bible Club and Converse and uh, Golden Years. And we also had all those going out to the Judeas and Samarias, out to Port Stewart and Castlewell and Crawfordsburn, Newcastle, Kilkeel, Cranfield and Meath. And I know for many more of you here that you've reached veteran status in terms of mission and you've served right down through the years. But with me being a new face, as I say, I'm really encouraged and I was really enthused and excited to see just how many folk were actively and enthusiastically engaged in living out and sharing their Christian faith with others. And I always think that mission is a good gauge of where a church is at in terms of uh, their vitality. And, you know, we've seen so many people involved. You guys have been praying. There's others that have provided practical support. And, you know, this is a really good gauge of where this church is at. And I can see that the church has a very healthy pulse in terms of mission. And likewise, it was great to see the publication of the prayer newsletter, because therefore we knew what we needed to pray for. And I'm sure, and also uh, certainly the others have testified, particularly Dan there, that he was very conscious of the prayers of the Lord's people here in Kirkpatrick. But it was also reassuring to see that the theme, that the dominant theme of those requesting prayer was for that all the people that were attending all the missions that were held both here and throughout, uh, throughout Ireland was that people would come away with a strengthened relationship with Jesus or certainly that they would come away if they didn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that they would come away with a realization of the truth of the gospel and enter into a relationship with him. And from the feedback tonight, we can see that certainly a lot of prayer has been answered. So just earlier, I read from a short passage, verses 13 to 15 from Romans 10. And these verses deal with God's mission plan for this world. In verse 13, we see that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. In the immediate context of when these verses were written, Paul is reminding the Romans, both Jew and Gentile, that God has no favorite, that the way of faith is open to all without distinction. And we too have the same assurance that when we have called or call upon the name of the Lord, we are saved. In verses 14 and 15, Paul asks four how rhetorical questions. How then can they call in the one they have not believed in? Secondly, how then, how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? Thirdly, how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And lastly, how can they preach unless they are sent? Paul is right. In order for people to be saved, they need to hear the gospel. They need to hear the good news. And people cannot put their faith in Jesus, the way of salvation if they have not heard of him, to believe in him. And additionally, people will not hear the gospel unless disciples go out and share it. And finally, disciples will not go out if the church doesn't send them. So the answer to Paul's four hows is that we need to send out disciples to share Christ through teaching his word. 
And in Kirkpatrick, we've learned tonight that we are really blessed to have so many disciples that had followed Jesus' command to go out and share the wonderful, life-changing message of the gospel with others. We have women and men that are gifted, that can communicate the gospel in a clear, meaningful, authentic way and in a fun way. They do it with a smile on their faces and they prove that being a Christian is fun. Furthermore, we have a church family that is supportive in prayer, that encourages people to go out to serve the living Jesus, and that is vitally important too. So here in this church, we follow the biblical mandate to make disciples of all people in all places. And importantly, mission starts here at home. And in, you know, in addition to what we've heard here this evening, I had the privilege of going to the Holiday Bible Club and to the Converse, the, the event for, you, for teenagers, and then to the Golden Years Club. And what I noticed about each was that Jesus was enthusiastically shared from four-year-olds right through to 80-year-olds. And that's really encouraging. It was just a fun way of engaging with the Bible, getting to know Jesus either for the first time or strengthening our relationship with him. Finally, verse 15 states, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This relates back to the book of Isaiah when messengers brought good news to the people of Jerusalem that their days of captivity in Babylon were now over. There was a realization that Yahweh, God, saves. He saved his people. Likewise, when the gospel is imparted and shared and received, those accepting it through God's grace give thanks. They give thanks to God, but very often they give thanks to those that have shared that message with them. That have, who have had those God appointments. The recipient is overjoyed. And I'm sure for most of these guys, if not all of them, they will have heard testimonies from young people, maybe personally, or they've heard it by word of mouth through others. But also for every story we hear, there's maybe there's dozens that we don't hear but people who will come back in later years and testify that it was through mission at summer camps, at holiday clubs, at golden year events. That's where the seeds of faith were planted and that's where the work of God in them began. So I conclude by saying how blessed are the feet from all of the people in Kirkpatrick Memorial who bring good news. All of you who freely give of your time and gifts to share the gospel as Jesus commanded. We thank God for you. Um, Let's pray. Father, we give thanks that your church in Kirkpatrick is alive in Christ, that there is hunger and desire within your people here to share Jesus freely. We ask that you will bless the work that has been done this summer. We give thanks that your word has been shared. We ask that the Holy Spirit will convict all who have heard the gospel through mission of their sin and bring them to the realization that they need Jesus as Savior and Lord. Amen.